Everything changed for a small community in Fresno, California on March 12, 2004. Neighbors called the police after witnessing a commotion in the front yard of a small home in the neighborhood. This towering six-foot man was trying to calm two women named Safina Solario and Ruby Ortiz, along with some of their relatives and friends who were desperately shouting at the man to release their children. Believing this confrontation to be a normal child custody dispute, police arrived at the home. But when the man saw authorities arrive, he simply walked into his home and locked the door. As authorities demanded the man unlock the door, they suddenly heard a gunshot. Within a matter of minutes, a series of gunshots pierced through the air as officers surrounded the house. Soon the tall man calmly emerged from the home covered in blood. His quiet demeanor unsettled many as he was placed into a pair of handcuffs. Entering the house, authorities witnessed a gruesome scene. Stacked in the back bedroom were nine bodies, all shot in the eye. Seven of the victims were children under the age of 12, along with 17-year-old Elizabeth Briani Kina Wesson and 25-year-old Sabrina April Wesson. The man, suspected of murdering his nine children slash grandchildren, is Marcus Wesson, who believed he was Jesus. A man who subjected his family to a vampiric-like incestuous cult where he proclaimed he was the Messiah. Welcome to another episode of Crimson Sin with Tamsin Lee. I am your host, Tamsin Lee. Full show notes and sources can be found in the description. Keep up with the latest updates, find episode transcripts, and more at buymeacoffee.com slash You can also find new items in my shop that I am excited for everyone to check out. The link to the shop will also be in the description. Full disclaimer, today's episode makes reference to sexual abuse, incest, and suicide. If you or someone you know is experiencing any of these... There are people and organizations who can help. For the Suicide in Crisis Lifeline, you can text or call 988. You can also visit 988lifeline.org. The 988 Lifeline provides 24-7 free and confidential support for people in distress, prevention, and crisis resources for you or your loved ones. The National Sexual Assault Hotline, or now known as RAIN, you can call 800-656-4673, or you can visit www.rain.org. You can find these resources in today's show notes. So during 2004 and 2005, Americans were captivated by the Scott Peterson case where he murdered his wife and unborn son, media outlets nationwide reported 
eagerly on the smallest developments in the investigation and trial that the public so anxiously demanded. But a far more shocking case went virtually unnoticed by mainstream news and from the public eye. Marcus Wesson murdered nine of his own children in Fresno, California. Now, I'm not downplaying the Peterson trial by any means when I say this because it is a tragic case. But the story of Marcus Wesson included more deaths containing innocent children, and the circumstances of his actions were much more bizarre. By the time Wesson's trial started, Another more high-profile case concerning Michael Jackson was in full swing, causing this case to yet again go unnoticed. So today's case is truly shocking, so brace yourselves for this one. To have a somewhat of an understanding of the lifestyle Marcus Wesson created for his family, we need to first look back at his childhood. Marcus was born in Kansas in 1946 to parents Benjamin and Carrie Wesson. He is the eldest of four children. The family was constantly moving. They went from Kansas to Missouri to Indiana to California to Washington. It was reported that his father Benjamin Wesson was a drunk who never held a steady job and would stay home flirting with his children, and he was also known to abuse them. A childhood acquaintance of the family once claimed that Benjamin paid him $50 when he was still young to perform oral sex. Benjamin later ran off with a teenage male relative to San Jose before returning to his wife and family a decade later. Carrie Wesson was a Seventh-day Adventist who would teach her children daily Bible lessons and was described by Marcus as a religious fanatic. A relative would later claim that she would also whip the children with an electrical cord. It appears Marcus's nefarious future was shaped by his alcoholic father who abandoned his family and an abusive mother. It is also worth noting that Marcus Wesson's favorite childhood game was to play Preacher, a pastime that he would undoubtedly perfect over time. Those who knew him described Marcus as highly eccentric, moderately intelligent, and possessing a large vocabulary. So when he spoke of himself, he would use this flowery language. After dropping out of high school, he joined the U.S. Army in 1966. In 1968, Marcus left the Army with an honorable discharge as an Army medic at 22 years old. He would then move himself to San Jose, California. This is when the abuse would ultimately begin. He would settle down with a woman in her 30s named Rosemary Maitorina, who had eight children. He would have a son with Rosemary in 1971. But Marcus took a particular liking to her eight-year-old daughter, Elizabeth. 
as he began sexually molesting her in 1974. She claimed that Marcus told her, I belonged to him and that I was his wife already. She furthered that he convinced her that she was special and that the Lord chose her to be his wife. Marcus would eventually marry Elizabeth when she was 14 and he was 34. Four months after their union, she would give birth to their first child together. By the time she was 26, Elizabeth had given birth to 11 children. The large family would soon become even bigger when, according to media outlets, one of Elizabeth's younger sisters left her seven children with them as she was unable to care for her children due to a drug problem. Marcus Wesson never held a steady job and would receive his income from welfare. The Wesson family would also live as drifters, moving from place to place. Some of their living arrangements were considered quite inventive as they once lived in a 26-foot boat docked in the Santa Cruz Harbor. However, the boat would eventually land Marcus in trouble as he failed to mention it as an asset on his welfare forms. This sent him to jail for six months for welfare fraud and perjury in 1990. During the mid to late 1990s, the family lived in a trailer and an army tent in the Santa Cruz Mountains with no running water. Sometime during this nomadic life, the family would also live in a yellow school bus. While growing up in this nomad lifestyle, Marcus and his children would often participate in dumpster diving to find food to eat. However, it was only for the children. Marcus had his own money to purchase his own freshly prepared food. Marcus Wesson would eventually decide that his sons would be raised differently and separately from his daughters. He deemed this segregation necessary because he believed his children would develop sexual feelings for each other. Contact between the sexes was highly discouraged, and as a result, the boys had no idea what was happening between their father and sisters. So after his release from jail for welfare fraud and perjury, Marcus began molesting and sleeping with his daughters and nieces. It is reported that this would start occurring when the girls were around the age of seven or eight. He would first fondle them, then teach them oral sex, and then he would eventually start having full-on intercourse with them. He would justify these actions to his daughters and nieces as loving and told them that this was a father's way to show affection for his daughter. The girls were taught to act as adoring servants who waited on Marcus hand and foot. They washed his dreadlocks, scratched his armpits and belly, and did whatever 
whatever he beckoned them to do. Many cultures, even the most primitive in the world, condemn incest. It's a taboo. It's something you just... It's a no-no. You don't do it. But Marcus Wesson fully supported it. And he would also read the girl's Bible passages containing references to men with multiple wives. He fully endorsed polygamy, telling his girls that God wants a man to have more than one wife. Ruby Ortiz was one of the nieces who was sent to live with the Wessons and became one of Marcus's victims at the age of eight. She testified that she loved him and happily agreed to marry Marcus when he was 44 and she was 13. During the supposed marriage ceremony, the couple placed their hands on the Bible and recited vows, ending with, I do. Marcus quote-unquote married three of his nieces and two of his daughters this way, and he impregnated all of them. By some accounts, Elizabeth Wesson was said to have approved of these incestuous unions, but by other accounts, it was stated that she did not approve of them. So there are conflicting accounts on this. But still, as the girls grew up, they had teenage inclinations, right? You can't help that. Marcus had found out that Ruby was flirting with boys and he severely beat her for it. She would run away from home three times, but ultimately she would return because she had nowhere to go, and she didn't want to leave her child that she already had behind. However, she would eventually leave for good when she was 22. Her sister Sofina Solario also left, the young women finally realized what it was like to lead a normal life away from Marcus. None of the children went to school. All of them were taught at home by Marcus using flashcards, school textbooks, and his own homemade Bible. When his children wouldn't do their homework or Bible lessons, he was known to beat them with a stick wrapped in duct tape or a small baseball bat. They also were not allowed to have friends or have any contact with the outside world. On the rare occasion when the children would cross paths with strangers, they would barely say a word. Many would be left with the impression that the children were well-behaved and polite. But in reality, they did not know what was socially and morally acceptable. They were socially awkward. All these kids knew was what their father told them. And he told them that he was Jesus Christ. His children would refer to him as Master or Lord when speaking to them. Marcus was also known to be fascinated with David Koresh during the siege at Waco, Texas in 1993. As the family watched the televised coverage of the Branch Davidian siege, Marcus told his children, this is how the world is attacking God's people. 
This man is just like me. He is making children for the Lord. That's what we should be doing, making children for the Lord. He would tell his daughters and nieces that he wanted to have one child with each of them. But apparently, he could not control himself as he would have multiple children with all of them. However, the girls would view themselves as a surrogate for Elizabeth Wesson, who could no longer bear children. He also taught his family to be prepared to die if anyone ever tried to break up the household. He reportedly told his niece, Rosa Solario, and his daughter, Sabrina Wesson, that they were strong soldiers. They would be the ones to hunt down and kill family members who betrayed him. And they would be the ones who might have to kill the family and themselves to prevent the family from being broken up. By 2003, they lived in a derelict 63-foot tugboat off the shore of Marin County, California. The rotting boat didn't have a bathroom. In the tiny village of Marshall, where the boat was docked, the Weston family definitely stood out. The girls were dressed in long black skirts and wore veils. They would also be seen rowing their father ashore, and they would walk behind him in silence with their eyes down at the ground. All of the Wesson kids kept to themselves, rarely talking to locals and avoiding eye contact. Residents noted that at one point, four or five of the girls were pregnant. They had jobs at a nearby convention center, but Marcus had control of their paychecks. So these pregnant children were forced to pull whatever money they had left to buy themselves food at the general store. In the fall of 2003, sheriff's deputies had determined that the tugboat the Wesson family was living in was unsafe for children and ordered it to be vacated. So they had to leave. They would move to Fresno soon after, purchasing a 1,066-square-foot converted office building on West Hammond Avenue. In the driveway, they parked their yellow school bus. While living there, the kids rarely left the house, not even to take a simple step outside. Marcus also held a fascination with vampires. He professed that Jesus Christ was a vampire. His homemade Bible even referenced drinking blood was the key to immortality. He even fancied giving himself and his daughters and nieces vampire names. His vampiric name was Javamarcus Suspire. A combination of Jesus, Marcus, and vampire. Whether it was because of his interest in vampires or the anticipation of the impending massacre, Marcus actually bought 10 coffins from an antique dealer 
and picked him up only months before that fateful day. While purchasing these coffins, he claimed that he was using the wood from them for his boat and as beds for his children, which is frightening to actually think about. Could you imagine using a coffin for a bed? That would be freaky. Eventually, city officials told Marcus that the school bus was too large to park in the neighborhood, and their home did not meet the standards for residential housing. Due to this, they were given until March 12, 2004 to resolve the zoning issues. It is speculated that this deadline could have been one of the things which set into motion the horrific events that occurred that very afternoon. However, the main trigger was when Ruby and Sophina, the two sisters who left Marcus's clutches, showed up at the house. They were furious when they caught wind that Marcus was still impregnating their sisters and cousins. But they also worried about the welfare of their small children when they found out that Marcus had plans to move to Washington. The sisters knew that retrieving the children would not be an easy task. Long before they left their home, they made a deal with Marcus. The deal was, if they ever abandoned his home, they had to leave their children behind. He also provided his offspring with more chilling instructions, which was confirmed by Sufina Solario. If child services or another government agency ever came to split up the family, Marcus instructed his daughters and nieces to first murder their offspring before killing themselves. According to this plan, it was better that he remained alive to explain their decision to the public. Sophina furthered that the family held monthly meetings to discuss the details of the suicide pact and how to shoot to kill. So on March 12, 2004, according to witnesses, Ruby and Safina pulled up to the Wesson house around 2 p.m., accompanied by several carloads of young people. These young people would be their brothers, their relatives, and friends. As Safina rushed into the home, she stated, I came to get my son. She had seven-year-old Jonathan by the hand and was walking out of the house when her sister Rosa snatched him out of her grasp and placed him in the back bedroom with the other children. Sophina was then pushed from the house by Marcus, who positioned himself in the doorway to prevent her from entering the house again. Marcus is a tall and big guy, so there was no way she was going to be able to move him. The girls inside the home would call Ruby and Sophina whores and bitches as they ordered them to leave. Sabrina Wesson pointed at her father's feet, telling Ruby to bow down to her master before she ran into the house and back into the bedroom with the children. At 2.30, a police car pulled up at the Wesson residence. 
A responding officer stated that he heard a baby crying as he spoke with Marcus in the doorway. But as Marcus did not invite the officers inside, they could not enter the residence without a warrant or without probable cause. The crowd cursed and jeered at him on his front lawn. But his calm demeanor led officers to believe that Marcus would work with them toward a peaceful resolution. But suddenly he turned, slamming and locking the door behind him. The two mothers shouted, He's going to hurt the kids! One of Marcus's sons told the officers that their father owned a 22 caliber gun. The police called for a SWAT team and ordered the crowd to take cover behind the trees and the bus. Several witnesses reported hearing gunshots inside the house during this time, heavily implying that the officers did nothing to stop the massacre once it started. However, officers on the scene denied hearing the gunshots a claim that the police chief fully supported. The Fresno Bee interviewed several of the neighbors who happened to contradict these accounts. One neighbor who lived a few blocks away stated she heard four gunshots shortly after 3.30. When she ran to her door, she could hear women screaming, Not my babies! Not my babies! The Wesson's next-door neighbor stated she was in her front yard when she heard a succession of loud explosions. She told the Fresno Bee that she wasn't sure what the noise was because she had never heard gunshots before. However, the anguished cry above the commotion was unmistakable as she heard it wasn't supposed to happen this way. The situation was all over by the time the SWAT team arrived to evacuate the neighborhood. When Marcus appeared in the doorway again, his black shirts and pants were covered with blood. As authorities grabbed him, he told them to use three handcuffs to encompass his wrists. Because he was now drenched with blood, officers were able to rush into the home, calling for the children. It did not take long for authorities to find them. In the back bedroom, each victim had been shot in the eye and stacked from youngest at the bottom to oldest on top. 25-year-old Sabrina was the oldest and was on top of the pile with a 22 caliber pistol under her arm. Authorities started searching under beds and in cabinets, desperately hoping there were survivors. But there were none. All of the officers there that day would consider March 12, 2004 to be the most traumatic day of their careers. Many would take administrative leave while others sought counseling. Marcus Wesson was held at the Fresno County Jail on a $9 million bail and charged with nine counts of murder. DNA testing was performed and provided investigators with evidence that Marcus sired all the victims with his own daughters and nieces. 
This evidence tacked an additional 14 counts of sexual abuse to his charges. He pleaded not guilty to all charges against him. But things in the investigation had a slow start as many of the women were afraid to talk. The convoluted makeup of the family had terms such as polygamy, incest, and cult just fill the air. They would soon discover that there were at least six different mothers involved, and the Wesson household appeared to operate as a commune. The women worked to support Marcus and lived by the strict rules that he made. To further support this theory that the family lived in this commune, their lifestyle included the children being homeschooled, wearing modest clothing, and rejecting America's normal way of life. As authorities looked into the possibility of Marcus's involvement in a cult, Two of Marcus's sons came forward to tell investigators that they were raised as Seventh-day Adventists. But remember, the sons were raised differently and separately from the girls. While they did receive beatings from their father, they did not live under the same stringent rules as the daughters. The sons were also allowed to leave when they were of age. But another interesting development was that when news broke that they were raised as Seventh-day Adventists, the Seventh-day Adventists church actually came out and said, no, Marcus Wesson is not a part of our clan. They denounced him. Another piece of evidence authorities took from the Wesson home was the caskets. They found out by the antique shop owner that Marcus had purchased the coffins and left them at his store for nearly a year before coming to pick them up. When he did finally come to collect the coffins, he had the girls with him and they obediently picked them up and loaded them onto the school bus. While locked up, Marcus was put on 24-hour surveillance as authorities knew of the suicide pact which he had formed with his children. Family was also not allowed to visit him. However, many in his family believed him to be innocent. His wife, Elizabeth, daughter, Kiani, and niece, Rosa, continued voicing their support for Marcus and denying he had done anything wrong. They claimed him to be a wonderful husband and father. His eldest son voiced that he did not believe his father was capable of murdering children. Marcus's other sons also stated they didn't believe their father could do something like this. It was June 2005 by the time Marcus Wesson's case went to trial in the Fresno County Superior Court. The trial would last for three months, and the court would see 50 witnesses take the stand. The defense lawyers argued that it was 25-year-old Sabrina who shot the children before turning the gun on herself. The defense stated that Sabrina held the gun to the eye of each victim and pulled the trigger before killing her sister and herself. 
Marcus nor Sabrina's fingerprints were found on the firearm, but Sabrina's DNA was found on it. With this, it made the theory that Sabrina was the one who pulled the trigger become more of a viable theory. The prosecution argued that Marcus was ultimately guilty of the massacre, even if he didn't pull the trigger, because he had primed his children to kill and be killed. Prosecutors told the court, in this family, he was Christ himself, the ultimate authority figure who determined life and death. But for his suicide pact, for his teachings, none of this would have happened. Marcus Wesson's wife and children would be called to the witness stand for the court to see the power and control he had over everyone and everything in his household. Rosa, his daughter-slash-wife, took the stand still wearing the gold wedding ring her father gave her. Her emotions appeared conflicting as she spoke of her time in the home and her feelings toward her father. Not long after the slayings, she did an interview with detectives where she would vehemently deny that her father-slash-husband had anything to do with the deaths. But it seems as though she had that time away from him, things started to become more clear to her. Elizabeth Wesson, Marcus's lawful wife, denied knowing of her husband's sexual relations with her daughters and nieces. She told the court, how can I protect them if they didn't tell me? They never told me anything, which this is more than likely true. One of the many rules the girls had to abide by in the home was not talking to their own mother. When the girls' bellies started to swell, Elizabeth stated that she didn't question who the fathers of the babies were. When asked why not, she simply stated that her mother had ten kids with three different men. Her sister had seven children with various men. She considered it mean and rude to ask women about the fathers. It was also stated that while on the witness stand, Elizabeth would look to her husband before speaking as if she were asking for his guidance or seeking his approval to speak. Prosecutors scolded her for this. Several breaks were actually called during her questioning as she would just break down underneath the immense pressure. Also to speak in court were some of Marcus's sons, who stated that they had their suspicions about their sisters becoming pregnant with their father's children. Marcus Wesson Jr., who was 22 years old at the trial, was surprised when he saw his sisters and cousins starting to show because they were forbidden to date. So how could they become pregnant? And how could they become pregnant without their father becoming irate? The girls would tell their brothers that they were artificially inseminated. Adrian Wesson, who was 29 years old at the trial, stated that he was suspicious because the babies looked like his father. 
More specifically, he told the court that they all inherited his father's distinctive pug nose. And for reference, I'm not the one stating that he had a pug nose. That was what was written in the article I read. (laughs) Another of Marcus's sons, named Dorian, who was 30 years old at the trial, would call his father insane for claiming to be Jesus Christ and for believing in vampires, because he believed vampires were real. However, he would still describe Marcus as intelligent and appeared to still be loyal to him. The jury found Marcus Wesson guilty of nine counts of first-degree murder and 14 counts of raping and molesting his underage nieces and daughters. The jury took a while to determine whether or not Marcus Wesson was actually guilty of being the one who pulled the trigger to murder the nine victims. But in the end, in deliberations, they decided that he at least took some part in murdering the children. As the verdicts were read, many of the surviving family members stifled sobs while Marcus remained quiet. As people started to leave the courtroom, Wesson's relatives fled from the building and neither the prosecution nor the defense answered any questions from reporters. Which I can imagine that this case was grueling. It was probably very difficult for everyone involved. The following month, Marcus Wesson appeared in the Fresno County Superior Court in front of Judge Putnam, who accepted the jury's recommendation for the death penalty. The judge also gave him 102 years in prison for sexually abusing his daughters and nieces. But still, Marcus has those in his family who remain loyal. Kiani Wesson defended her father, blaming her cousins for the deaths because they tried to break up the family by taking their children. She stated in front of the entire court, I am proud of all my family of the way we were raised. Marcus Wesson's defense team filed a motion requesting the judge grant Marcus a new trial or to at least reduce his sentence to life in prison. Judge Putnam denied both, stating that the continued love of him by some family members was the only leniency Wesson could expect. He is currently on death row at San Quentin State Prison. The remaining Wesson family did an interview sharing their story with the San Francisco Gate in September 2009. The timing coincided with the release of a book entitled Where Hope Begins, which was written by Fresno reporter Alicia Sofios, who actually covered the case and she would ultimately welcome the Wesson family members into her home. Through this interview, more enlightening details of what the family went through actually emerged. Elizabeth Wesson, Marcus's wife, stated he told her from the day they met that he owned her and threatened to kill her if she ever left him. She said, he practically raised me. As a child, Marcus was in my home. My mom said he could marry me, 
He always told me how children should be raised. I think no matter what I had done, this still would have ended in tragedy. She stated that when she found out that Marcus was having children with their daughters, she did not condone it. She did not accept it. She tried to leave him, but he overpowered her and choked her until she blacked out. His sons, daughters, and nieces were also interviewed for this article. Adrian Wesson said he didn't begin to really understand what he and his family had endured until a long time after his father was sent to prison. He could not comprehend just how differently his family was brought up. He further stated in the article, we are now free. For the most part, time spent away from Marcus and the empathy the Wesson family received from the author who welcomed them into her home has helped them recover, come to terms with their past, grieve, and move forward with their lives. You can find a link to this interview in today's show notes if you are interested in reading it. It is well worth the time to read it. What did you think of today's case? Do you think Marcus Wesson's sentence is just? How long do you think he will sit on death row? Do you think he was living a cult lifestyle? Leave your thoughts in the comments. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and I will see you for the next episode. Bye.